You are listening to the New World Order, episode 352. My name is Clatu, and this is an episode about diff utilities. Uh, literally, diff utils is the name of the package, but also diff stat, which is an interesting one. Uh, this is, of course, a continuing uh, series on all of the applications included, or rather, all of the well, yeah, all of the applications included in Slackware. So you may may not have all of these installed by default on whatever Linux distribution you are using right now, but is probably available. So if you're if you're following along, you can probably grab hold of these commands uh, that I'll be talking about today pretty easily. So let's talk about diff stat first. Diff stat, actually, you know what? Do I have listener feedback? I think I have listener feedback. Oh yeah, Chipmunk pointed out that the opus.xml file, the opus RSS feed on my website, was misdirecting to speaks, to the speaks feed. So hopefully not that many of you have gotten your opus feed from the website because that would have been incorrect. You can always verify the codec associated with your feed uh, by the name of the feed. So if it's opus.xml or opus.atom.xml, then it is either an opus RSS feed or an opus atom feed. Here's another bit of feedback from someone who has used the dd command frequently. I did used to do a lot of data recovery. What I used to do it, though, depended on the file system. In either case, and here they mention a uh, boot disk that is it's not open source as far as I can tell, and so I'm not going to mention the name, but it does an analysis of the sector's read-write times. It tends to stress the drive less and show you just how bad the disk is before you go any further. And here's a commentary about this from Klaatu. Um, I, I don't know that I would try that myself. I'm not questioning this person's judgment or methodology necessarily. I'm just saying I am of the opinion that if you suspect a drive is failing, then it is better to back it up rather than run a, te- a diagnostic on it. That's that's my opinion. I guess I could also rephrase that and say you should have been backing up already, which is kind of the not very helpful retrospective advice, but I think that rather than put any further stress on the drive trying to determine just how bad it is, I I would rather just get the thing backed up. I think that would be the way that I would go. The person continues in this email, says, in some case it can also, quote, remap around the unreadable sectors, which could allow recovery to work better. And that does seem useful, and I don't know a whole lot about that sort of thing. I do believe that that is what the DD Rescue fallback is supposed to kind of do in a way, you know, rather than grinding away at bad sectors, skip it. But as I've said before, I didn't have any, I've not had any luck with that myself. If recovery was possible and it was in TFS or FAT, I'd use um, some programs on this boot disk, otherwise test disk and or photo rec to recover files. Now, Test Disk and PhotoRec, if you've not heard of them, dear listener, are open source projects. You can uh, find them on a website, which I'll include in the in the show notes. Probably, they're quite good. They're they're very very good. I've used them with a lot of success. But once again, that hasn't been in 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 my experience. It has not been sort of a magic way of making a bad hard drive suddenly become readable. It has been a data recovery thing. I guess this is what we're talking about, data recovery. But uh, to to me, I guess, um, yeah, it's been more like, oh, I deleted a file or or someone has deleted a file that they didn't mean to. And and that, of course, again, the, the useless retrospective answer to that would be don't use RM. If you're using RM, you are going to come across a time where you accidentally deleted a file. And because RM has no facility built into it to recover a file, even though RM admits that it does not effectively erase the file, you can use test disk or photo rec to grab that file back out of your sort of R, out of its removed state, out of the state of having the file data still exist on the drive, but the inode associated with it re, um, removed or the the index marker removed, as it were. They continue in their email. I've always been able to retrieve some sort of data, but the corruption levels can be quite high sometimes. It's hit and miss. Like you said, never tell someone you can. Just tell them that you'll try. The email continues in a separate thread here, and they go on to say, another quote-unquote trick we tried doing sometimes was taking a bad drive or device and doing a clone of D or, or a clone or DD to a healthy drive, then running the recovery itself 
on the new drive as it did a byte to byte uh, transfer from the old one. You iterate over the blocks uh, less that way and it can improve change it uh, it can improve uh, restoration results. So that that kind of goes back to what I was saying about yeah don't don't use a, an analysis tool to figure out what state the drive is in if if there's any reason to suspect that that drive is failing just copy it just do a, a cursory copy from one device to another. I will say that um, not all organizations prioritize this kind of process, and I have had in my time lots of frustration trying to do data recovery for an organization that didn't want to then purchase a new drive. <laughs> so they would want the they want the data recovered from you know a, a, I don't know a, a 500 gigabyte drive, and all I had at the time was a 250 gigabyte drive that wasn't was was less less old than the 500 you know very frustrating process and, and not recommended uh, and and in case you're not in case it's unclear no that that is not possible you can that that's, that that does not work so the first command that we're going to talk about is diffstat and diffstat is thomas came up with it from invisible-island.net that's that's who wrote the thing it's just an open source project. If you've ever, if you're a Git user, then you've probably done a Git push or a Git pull at some point, and you may have seen the the report at the end of your Git transaction where it tells you what has, it kind of gives you a summary of what has happened, and it, it expresses this in pluses and minuses. Now I don't know for sure because I, I didn't I didn't look into the code for for to find this out, but I believe that either Git is directly calling this tool diffstat, or it's it's mimicking it very very closely. But I, I have a feeling it's probably just making a call to that. Either way, you can see this kind of report about any diff on your uh, on your hard drive with diffstat. And I'm just going to go into this little demo folder that I already have. I'm going to create one file called one. And for the first line, and I'm just going to list. I'm going to do this one, two, three, four, five. Six and I'm spelling these out. So I'm it's O N E next line two W O next line T H R E E and so on. So I'm spelling out numbers. I've got six lines in this particular file. Six lines. Uh, I'll close that one and then I'll create a new one called two and I'll copy. I'll just import. I'm gonna import the contents of one right into this. I'm gonna add a, an entry at the very top of the file. Zero. So now we're starting at zero. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then let's do a seven and an eight. So there are nine lines now. And then instead of uh, let's do instead of five, let's do null. Okay. So we've we've inserted a line, we've modified a line, and then we have appended two lines. So that's that's a good amount of change. And certainly, if you want to see that in sort of normal diff. The, the normal diff output, you can just type D-I-F-F. -F. This is not diff stat. This is just diff. One space two. Hit return, and then you see that, okay, the file on the right, if, if we're looking at one and two sort of as we typed it, the file on the right, which is two, has uh, an extra line at the zeroth at the top position. That's zero. And then it notes that the file on the left has a change uh, on whatever line it was where it was spelling out five, and over on the right we see that the the replacement for that has been the word null. And then finally it shows us that the file on the right has two entries uh, on the eighth and ninth, ninth line, and it is seven and eight. And we know this is true because we just generated these things. Now, cool thing is, if we do that same thing, diff one, two, but we pipe it, so we hit the pipe character, diff stat that's all one string just diff stat so it's diff one two and then pipe diff stat and and again the 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 file names one and two they, they could be foo bar they could be penguin demon it could be anything it doesn't matter i'm just using one two so that we know that there are two files involved uh diff one two pipe diff stat it tells me okay uh, there have been five changes, and it shows me a plus a plus a plus a plus and then a negative it tells me that that was performed on unknown and we'll talk about that in a moment and then it gives me a, a clear a little bit of a clearer breakdown underneath it says one file changed so that would have been the two or, or i guess two represents the change of one 
So one file has been changed, and that, that's as opposed to doing a diff on an entire folder, for instance, a collection of files. It says there have been four insertions, so there's that. those are the four plus, plus signs that, that we're seeing, and one deletion, which of course is the, the minus sign, the negative mark. All right, so it is telling me that it doesn't, so this is good, this is really neat to see, and if we want to see this in full color, you can do a dash capital C after, after the diff stat. So diff one, two, pipe, diff stat, dash capital C. And that makes the pluses green and the negative red. And no, there's no long option for that. This is just, it's just dash capital C. There's no way to, 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 so there's no long option. So you can't do like dash dash color or something like that. It's just dash capital C. Dash lowercase c is something completely different. So that won't, that will not give you color. And you just have to remember that. Okay, so the unknown bit here on the result line is telling us that it doesn't know where exactly it got this data because it received the data from standard in, standard input. If you want a little bit more information in your diffstat output, you can run diffstat on a patch file instead of on the output of your diff statement. Uh, this isn't yet a diff segment, so I'm not going to explain too much why we're doing this, but I'm going to just do a diff dash dash text dash dash new dash file dash dash unified and then do one space two and then I'll redirect that to my.patch. So we've just generated a patch file and if you cat my.patch you see that there's some text at the beginning uh, minus 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 one and then it, it talks about the timestamp and then plus 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 two and the timestamp and then some notation and then the output and the input or the, the rather the old and the new um, contents so there's a little plus sign by the zero and a minus sign by the five and a plus sign plus sign next to the null and then a plus and a plus next to seven and eight respectively so this is an instruction set for patch on how to make one no, rather how to generate two from one if I run diffstat on that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, include the dash capital C for this so I get colored output. And I'll just diffstat dash C capital C my dot patch. Then I get a little bit more information and it tells me, okay, so the, the file that we're talking about here is two and there have been five alterations to it. Four green pluses, one red negative, and it says that there's been one file changed, four insertions pluses, that is, one deletions, that's minuses, and it gives us a little bit of a clearer idea about what's going on here. Whether or not we need that depends on really your use case. It is useful to know which file it is talking about when you are running it against a series of patches because you, you wouldn't know which which file was which without a file name associated with it. Whereas if you're just doing it on standard output, the chances are you're, um, well, well, certainly you, you know the, you, you probably know the files involved. You, you know which ones are being analyzed because they're right there in the command that you're piping to diffstat. Okay, so that's that's the main, I think, use case of, of diffstat. It recognizes a couple of different outputs, obviously, I think, because it can take raw output from just a diff command as well as the um, the output or, or rather the input of a of, of, of a patch file. You can do um, dash capital C for color as I've already said. You can do a dash lowercase c to comment out the output of diff stat, which presumably I guess is making it um, it's nullifying it for for instance if if you're for some reason piping it into a shell script i i don't know why you would be doing that uh other than maybe into like a, a git commit or something i'm i'm not sure I, I don't know exactly why you would want to why you would need feel the need to preface each line with a, a comment line it's probably a very useful feature it probably, i imagine it wouldn't be here but i just for me, I'm not sure why you would do that. Something I can imagine wanting to know are the unchanged lines in the files, and there is an option for that. To be fair, there are lots of options in diffstat, and I'm not going to go through all of them because it gets into the weeds. It really gets down into the, the very, very detailed um, things about about how you might want to analyze diff data, and I, I frankly don't. I, I do not have use cases for a lot of them. 
but I, I can totally see how people would because if you're using a large code base, you got people submitting patches all over the place, I'm, I'm sure that this is actually quite informative. So to see unchanged lines, you can add the dash capital D argument and then specify the directory. Let's see what this says in the help. The dash H is for help. So it says dash capital D is the path. Specify location of patched files. Use that for unchanged count. The uh, a very similar one for that is the dash capital S, which specifies the location of the original files, or as I like to think of because it's a dash S, uh, the source files used for unchanged count. So I can either tell it dash capital D, and then since I'm in the directory that I'm analyzing, I'm just going to put a dot. Uh, and it tells me, again, 2 is the file that we're kind of looking at generating here. Uh, and from that perspective, knowing that the that the um, destination file, that the patched file is here, or so we're looking at 2, the patched file, it can tell me that one file has changed. There have been three insertions, one modification, that, and it represents that with an exclamation mark, and then five unchanged lines. And I, I assume that if we counted up the the lines that have not changed, we would we would come up with five. And frankly, I'm just I'm just inclined to believe it right now because um, that sounds about right. Uh, so if I do a dash capital S, I get similar but not exactly the same result, which is it's telling me that there have been 12 interactions, there have been three insertions, one modification, so that's all correct, and then eight unchanged lines. And again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna count through that and try to figure out where the changes have been or have not been, but I'm I'm inclined to take its word for it because it's a computer and it's really exact about those sorts of things. Um, there's also a dash capital no a lowercase e uh, which redirects standard errors to a file. So your standard error output uh, goes into a you know you use a log file essentially for what you're doing. Again, I've never actually used that because um, I just don't have, I, I don't, when I'm diffing things, it's usually a file or two or three, but it's, it's never, it's never a very complex operation. If you, for some reason, don't want the pretty histogram with all the colors and the pluses and the minuses and the exclamation marks and the equal signs, then you can just get the summary line with a dash lowercase s for summary. Uh, so if you just want the, just just the words, just the textual representation of what has, you know, the summary of, of what has happened, then you can just do dash lowercase s. So it's a very, very useful command, especially if you are using diff and you're just not quite sure maybe just how much, just how drastic of a change has this been. Because certainly if you believe that you've only changed one or two lines and then you, you see a, GIF, a, a, a diff stat rather that reveals that 53 changes have taken place then you might think oh what what did i do what what did i delete a whole function that i didn't mean to delete or or whatever so it, it is a useful thing and, and i've used it exactly for that like sort of as a, a very last minute dummy check after pushing something in git i have a bunch of hooks that i've got set up it does a bunch of stuff and i know that if i see that histogram that diff histogram at the end and there are, you know, there's more green or red than I expect, then I know something may have gone wrong and I need to double check my work. Now I realize that's a, a bad time to do it because that, at that point it's it's been committed and pushed, but it, it's it's a useful last ditch confirmation that something has either gone correctly or, or something has gone wrong. And I appreciate that. And I, I certainly appreciate it even more now that I know that diff stat exists because I didn't know how to get that information before, except with, with git. Okay, now it is time to move on to diff utils, which is a GNU package installed by default on Slackware from the AP software set. Diff utils contains the quintessential command diff, which I've already mentioned in my diff stat demonstration. And I think there's an argument I could have reversed the order of these two tools, but it just seemed really easy to keep going in alphabetical order. And I'm afraid of getting too terribly confused and skipping a package or doing a package twice. So uh, that's fine. Diff utils contains four commands, comp or rather cmp, diff, diff3, and sdiff. So we'll just talk about them in order, I guess. 
CMP compares two files byte by byte. And to get a feel for what exactly that means, we can stay in my little demo folder here and do CMP1 and space 2. And it says 1, 2, differ. Byte 1, line 1. And we know that that's correct because we know that the if we do a head dash in 1 on 1, we have the word 1. I'm starting to see now why the word the, the file names 1 and 2 were probably not the best. Uh, and if we do a head on dash in 1, 2, then we have the first line saying that it contains the word 0. So obviously there is a difference in byte 1, line 1. And that's good to know. Now if we do cmp dash dash print dash bytes 1, 2, then we get more information about byte 1 and line 1. It says 1, 2 differ. Byte 1, line 1 is 157, and, and it tells us what 157 is, which is an O. And then it says uh, 172, which is a Z. Okay, so maybe we knew that the first byte is is the is different. Maybe we were aware of that for some reason, and so we decided that we would rather uh, compare. We we would like to skip one of those. So we'll do CMP dash dash print dash bytes space dash dash ignore dash initial, and then we can we can give it a number for how many bytes we want it to ignore. So we could, for instance, just put a number one in there, and that will ignore the first byte. And the file names again are one and two. And it tells us 1 and 2 differ. Byte 1, line 1 is 156. And so notice now it's saying byte 1, line 1, but it actually it's an offset. So to it, it's counting from this point, which I, I find confusing, but whatever. Byte 1, line 1 is 156N145E. Now we know, because we know what the words are, 1 and 0, we know that, that what we're looking at here is the second byte, or if we start at zero, the first byte, but I, I guess it doesn't. So the second byte being in, in the word one, and then E being the, the, the second letter in the word zero. So that's what we're seeing there, in and E, 156 in, 145E, there's the difference. And you can, you can keep doing that until you run out of bytes to compare. You can also do that with, uh, a, you, you can skip, you, you can, um, you can skip different bytes of each file. So for instance, if you did a dash dash ignore initial um, and then some number and then colon another number, it would skip the, the, the X number in the first file and the y, Yth number in the second file. So you can get pretty, you can really kind of, you can make some dynamic offsets. That's pretty impressive, I thought, again, way beyond anything I can imagine needing anytime soon. But, I mean, it's, it is very cool that you can do that. That sounds, it seems like one of those power tools that, that would be really handy if, if that's what you need. So uh, dash dash verbose gives you output byte numbers and differing byte values. Dash dash bytes equals and then some number it compares at most a limit of whatever you define uh, number of bytes. That's pretty much it, to be honest. I mean, there's the dash dash quiet or the dash dash silent command to suppress all normal output. So, you know, you could just, I, I assume you would get either a true or a false from, or essentially a success or a failure from the, the, the results of that. You can also use this, you can pipe stuff into it. So if, if you're, I don't know, for, for some reason you're, you want to compare a file to something from standard output, then you could pipe stuff into this and find out what differs. And you may notice that it does indeed do this byte by byte. I mean, that's what the man page said. It said, compare two files byte by byte, and that is exactly what it means. It's going to do one byte at a time, and you would have to loop over a file with ignore initial incrementing as with each loop in order to, for instance, compare several bytes um, in an automated way. You can also use suffixes, I guess, for, yeah, suffix would be the correct word, for more than just one byte, or, or rather, um, if you don't want to count out every byte, and you know that you, for instance, you want to just skip the first thousand bytes, you could, you could do one KB, lowercase k, capital B, or one, the first 1,024 bytes, capital K, and so on. So you can, you, you can uh, increment in chunks if you need to. I think it's time for a coffee break, so let's go get some coffee, and then we'll meet back and talk about diffs.
we're back. I've got a cup of coffee. I've just made it. It's um, really, really good coffee. It is the – I'm still working on that um, stash that uh, Carl sent me, to be honest, as a housewarming gift. Um, it, it was kind of it's kind of crazy how long that stuff's lasted. I'm sure that that's not the optimal length. I'm sure I was supposed to you know, consume it within a couple of months, but um, I've really been enjoying it, and it's just been up in my cupboard um, in its little air-sealed packages, and I've been breaking into them every now and again. Because I find that if I go through a, a, I'll go through a bag of coffee or whatever. But if I, if I sort of, well, my my taste gets acclimated to a certain roast, and and then the 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 distinctness the distinctness of that roast kind of falls away, and then I try something different, and suddenly, oh, it's a completely different, or a roast, or a blend, or whatever, um, and it's completely different. So it's it's quite nice to kind of surprise myself with a new a new bag of coffee every now and again. And um, this one has been a tricky one because it's it's pretty mild. And I, I do love a mild coffee, to be honest. It is, it's actually one of my favorite things. But the getting that mild flavor to be strong enough, which is weird, that those are two different concepts, but they it can be a little bit tough. And CRVS, a friend of mine, was telling me the other day on a on a actually a D and D game that we were playing. Uh, he was telling me that he was making coffee in a in a, a French press or a plunger or whatever you call them, and he decided to pour the water into the 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 carafe first, and then he put the coffee on top of the water, like the coffee grounds, the, the ground up beans on the water at the top, which is kind of interesting. I think I've seen it done probably at a cafe or something, but at home when you're in, in your own kitchen, you tend to, I think, you're, you're waiting for the water to boil, and you're just standing there, so you think, well, I'll put the coffee in the carafe now, and that way I'll, I'll keep busy, and then w when the water's boiling, I can pour it into the carafe on top of the water, or on, on top of the coffee grinds, and that will then infuse the water and so on. So it, it's kind of the natural kind of progression of just being in your own kitchen. Whereas at a cafe, I, I do feel like I've seen them do it the other way. And I'm sure there's lots of theories on which is the optimal way. But I will tell you one thing about this new CRVS method I've been trying for the past day. Uh, and that is that it's a lot more fun to watch. Because what happens, I mean, if you've got a glass carafe, which normally I don't. I have a stainless steel carafe, but someone, a house guest from months ago, left there because they were traveling. Uh, so they left a small glass carafe here for me because they couldn't take it with them um so if you have a glass one and you you do it this way you've got the water in there and you got coffee that's kind of just floating on the top and then when you push that mesh down through the carafe you see like the uninfused water on the bottom and the infused you know the coffee on top of the mesh and it's just it's a night and day difference it's it's you can actually see it happening and it's kind of cool. It's kind of a neat visual. So you should try it, I guess, is the point. And again, whether that's the optimal way, I don't know. Maybe it's better to have the coffee already in there and pouring the water onto it. But I'm sure someone somewhere out there is saying, well, if you're doing that, you're abusing the coffee and you should never do that. You know, like people don't like to add milk to coffee or, or don't like to add coffee to milk. You know, there are lots of different sort of theories on which way is the, the correct order. And I, I can't really say one way or the other because I don't know. But I'm certainly enjoying it. So um, let's talk about diff. This is an important, important command. But I think I feel like in the modern world, a lot of it has been kind of abstracted away from us actually uh, using it all that much. Not necessarily, but but sometimes. But I actually quite like diff because it really is a really nice, efficient way to record changes to a file, and then to send those changes to someone else. Because diff is kind of the front end or the first step in a process of creating a patch. And I've used diff both in collaboration with others and just as something to, for, my own, for my own use. Um, and and it's, it's typically because I have a reason to preserve a change that I then need to, to make elsewhere, like in a, in a different Git repository, for instance, or I need to to make it under, you know, after a certain commit, and then I want to patch a file for a new commit or something like that. So there have been times where I've used diff to create a patch, and, and, and it's just been all on my own computer. There's no reason to 
you know, I didn't have to send anything to any anybody. It was just a, a way for me to record changes that I knew that I did need to make at some point and then to actually lock it in at a later time. So here's how we can demonstrate diff. I mean, I've kind of already demonstrated it by talking about diff stat, but I think a little bit more information could be useful. So um, let's just get rid of one and two. And instead, I'm going to make foo and bar. So in foo, I'm going to just put one and uh, two. Those are my lines, one and two. And then I'm going to copy foo and rename it bar. And then I'm going to open up bar. And I'm going to call, uh, I'm going to insert a line between one and two. And it's going to be the word penguin. Okay, so I've got, in foo, I've got two lines, one and two. In bar, I've got three lines. I've got one, penguin, and two. So if I want to do it, if I run diff against those two, foo, space, bar, it tells me correctly that, well, exactly what it's telling me is 1a2, the file on the right, has the word penguin. Now, you heard me correctly. I said 1a2, and then some output. So what that's telling me... Uh, somewhat cryptically, admittedly, is that there has been an addition. A stands for addition. The 1 and the 2, again, they kind of mirror the left and the right file. And when I say left and right, I'm simply, I'm simply talking about the order of diff, foo, and bar. So it's telling me that on the left file, which is foo in this case, because it came first, so if we're looking at it in left to right order, that's the, the left side. So foo... On line 1, there has been an addition, and that addition appears on line 2 in the in the right file, which is bar. We could, we could change that output if we want by changing the order of files that we provide. So in other words, we could do diff bar foo, and then we should be able to predict here what the output should be. So uh, we, should, we should know that the second line of the left file, which is bar, will have been deleted with a D probably, uh, such that the line, such that it corresponds with line one on the right file. And in fact, if we hit return here, uh, we get 2D1 as predicted, and then a, a less than symbol, a little arrow as if, or, you know, an arrow, functional arrow, arrow, arrow pointed left, and it says penguin. And we know that, of course, that would have been the file that was deleted from bar if we're going from bar to foo. And that's an important uh, concept, I guess, to, to, to recognize this concept that diff doesn't really care which is the old file and which is the new file. It's, it's, it is you who determine the, the order of files involved. So in other words, you could create output that would tell you how to change bar into foo, or you can provide you can create output that tells you how to create how to change foo into bar, or how to generate bar from foo. And it's just a, it's a matter of whether a line has been added or deleted, and where that line should should be placed. You can get more information from diff and a little bit more context from diff by using some of its options. Now, there are a lot of options in diff. It, it, it's kind of a, I mean, it's not FFmpeg level of options, but there are quite a lot of options, so I don't know exactly how many we'll get into. But I do want to talk about the basic ones, because really once you understand kind of the, the theory behind all of this, I think it starts to kind of make diff a lot more approachable. So, um, you don't have to. So, for instance, in this in this case, I've got foo and bar, and they're essentially the same file. One has an inserted line, one doesn't, but they have to have separate names, and that's a little bit awkward because maybe that's not what you want. You want you want to change the file and provide someone a recipe with how to duplicate your new version of that file, and you don't want to insist that their file be called something else. You want it to operate on its own. So uh, you can do that by simply placing the new versions in a different directory. So I'm going to go, I'm going to back out of demo and I'm going to create something called, let's do um, my-demo. So now I've got a directory called demo and a directory called my-demo. And I'm going to move out of demo the file called bar and I'm going to move bar into my-demo such that it's called foo. 
So now I've got two files called foo, foo and foo. One is in my demo, and one is in just plain old ordinary demo. Now I can do diff, demo is my, my source, right? And then my demo would be the, the one that I want to give a recipe to, this is how I want you to get to my demo. So diff, demo, my demo. And it tells me that the same thing, actually. Diff, demo, foo, my demo, foo is 1A2. Penguin has been inserted in the right file. Now the cool thing about this though is that I've got demo, let's go ahead and create a new file called bar. So now I've got demo bar and I'll do um, Linux space BSD space open Solaris. And then we'll copy demo bar to my dash demo bar. And in my demo dash bar, we're gonna make open Solaris I'm going to change that to Illumos. Now watch what happens if I run diff against demo and my demo now. Well, it accurately detects that there's more than just one file there with differences in it. And it tells me that the diff between demo bar and my demo bar is on the third line of each of those two files, which is correct. And the difference has been a C, so that's a change, uh, and that's been... Open Solaris has changed to Illumos. It's also telling me that, hey, there's no new line at the end of this file, and I should be aware of that. Diff demo foo, my demo foo, 1A2, still just that penguin insertion. That's all that, that's the only thing that's changed, that addition there. So that's pretty neat. That means that you can take a whole project directory structure, make a bunch of changes, do a diff against the whole the whole lot of it and change and, and send the diff file to someone and they'll know how to get from your from from their version of their project directory to your version of their project directory. It's hugely powerful stuff. It's all in plain text. Technically speaking, it would be useful information with or without a front end. I mean you send that to someone and they can see exactly what has changed. Now I'm gonna show you one little principle that I've learned that may or may not matter to you. This may never come up for you. For me, it comes up a lot. So Emacs demo foo bar baz. Okay, so we'll do baz now, and um, we'll just do uh, we'll do one line, and it'll say Linux is a Unix dash like operating system dot, and then we'll say it is free and open source. We've done that. So we've got literally one line in this file consisting of two sentences. So now I'm going to go to my demo baz and I'm going to copy in the contents of demo baz. So there's that one line and I'm going to do uh, Linux is not Unix dot a but it is it is comma however a Unix-like operating system. It is free and open source. Okay, so now we've got, again, one line, but I've changed that one line. So now if I do that diff against these two directories again, or just on baz, it doesn't really matter. The point is that I'll, I'll, I'll see that, the, that there's a change in baz. I know that it's on line one, but the, the diff as such is the whole line. So it's up to me now to figure out what is difference between different between these two lines. Now, in this particular case, that's it's actually pretty trivial because it it is just one line. But can you imagine if there were five sentences in that one line and then five more sentences in a different line that where one word got changed or one one thing converted from a lowercase to a a capital letter? The the if you, if you're cramming all of it into one literal line then your diff is huge for any small change that you make. Just just changing a, 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 a little bit of white space, removing a space from a sentence, uh, makes the whole paragraph look as if though it has changed. So the moral of the story here is to go into anything. If you're writing something, whether it's in DocBook or CommonMark or Latex or whatever, keep your sentences on separate lines. It'll look weird. It'll feel weird too, because in English class, you were probably told, or you know, writing class, you were probably told that there are things, you know, that, that there are sentences, and you put a, a dot at the end of a sentence and keep writing, and and you only really break them up until you reach the end of a paragraph, and then you you hit return once, and then you start writing your next paragraph. I think with the advent of HTML, it's a little bit more common to see that 
obligatory blank line between paragraphs, but it is still considered among in many circles that you don't have that blank line between paragraphs. That's silly. You don't do that. It's very tech centric. Well, it's actually really, really useful to 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 make a paragraph just a series of of lines, one, two, three lines. If you want a new paragraph, do a blank line and then continue. And the reason that I'm saying this is because then if we do the diff on demo and my demo, we see that Baz has changed, but it zeroes in on exactly the lines that have changed. It tells me that Linux is a Unix-like operating system, which used to be line one of the left file. It has changed, so it gets a C, and it is now one comma two. So it has become both line one and two of the new file. And the two new lines are Linux is not Unix. It is, however, a Unix-like operating system. So you get that you get the diff. You get so much more data on that diff. You get both the exact things that have changed. You even get what lines it spans. Uh, all kinds of stuff. And that's a lot, a lot, lot better than just oh by the way there was a change in this big array of characters. Good luck on finding it. So there you go. That's my little tip about about that. Now um, all of this output that we've seen so far from diff has been a little bit, I mean, it is very, it's it's clear, it's pretty easy to read, now that, especially now that we know how to read all the, the different encoding of the messages that it's giving us. There is um, a, I, what I would consider a, a better format, um, and certainly as far as I know, and I could be wrong, because this is just kind of the way that I learned it, uh, but there is a way to, to create... Um, possibly, arguably, well, you know what? I will say for, I will say definitively that this provides more visual context. So here we go. So we're going to generate a patch file from diff, and the uh, the arguments that we that we want to use here are, um, let's see, diff dash dash new dash file, and all that says according to the manual is that you're going we're going to treat absent files as empty. That's fine. So that means it's going to pick up, you know, any if, if one file exists in one directory, doesn't exist in the other, it, it's going to be able to kind of, it, it's going to deal with that gracefully. We'll do a dash dash text, which tells it to treat all files that I'm feeding it as text. The alternative to that is potentially that a, a, a file that maybe has some kind of encoding in it would not be treated as text. Um, you would know better than I would as to whether you know your use case requires that or not, um, I'm I've never used diff on anything but text files, so I just kind of I pass that flag just again because that's kind of how I how I learned it. And then there's uh, the option of dash dash unified, and this you can actually adjust. You can pr you can provide a number after this. Um, I don't know why they call it unified. The well, I, I kind of get it sort of. But I don't know that that's the best phrase for it, but I, I would call it context, dash dash context, but that's not what they call it. So dash dash unified is what they call it. It is output some number, and by default that number is three, of lines of unified context, meaning that it's going to show us a couple of line of unchanged lines above and below anything that has changed. And that to me is, is kind of what makes this format a little bit easier to... To, to parse and then dash dash recursive uh, tells it to descend into subdirectories. Now in our demo directory here, we we don't have subdirectories, but it's a good habit to get into. I think, especially if you're doing a whole project structure, you, you usually I think you're going to want the the recursive flag. So those are the arguments: dash dash new file, dash dash text, dash dash unified, dash dash recursive. In short, that is dash capital N lowercase a u r nar diff nar um and that's generally how i use it but the, the long options are obviously a lot more um kind of demonstrative uh so then we'll do demo and my dash demo and it outputs to our terminal um what could you know you could argue that it's a little bit uglier but i i find it i find it easier to parse personally somehow so it starts with a minus 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 demo bar plus 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 my demo bar so we know what file we're looking at we know the the origin and we know the destination it then tells us what lines we're dealing with and sure enough we see that uh, the third line on uh, of 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 these of, of the bar files has changed the first one in this list has a negative 
by OpenSolaris because it has removed OpenSolaris. And then right under that, it has a plus Illumos. So we see the minus, we see the, the, the deletion and the addition sort of in context of, um, of the file itself. Oh, and Unified doesn't do the, the lines. Oh, maybe it does. Um, yeah, it does. Okay, never mind. Um, okay, so then the next one is Baz. And once again, we know now that uh, we're looking at a uh, removal on line 1, 2, and an addition on line 1, 3. And then again, we, we see those. We see what those are. We see that it's negative. Linux is not a it is a Unix-like operating system, and then we see the addition of that of Linux is not Unix. It is, however, a Unix-like operating system. And then finally, in the in the file foo of demo and my demo, we see that uh, the the second or the third line, depending on which file you're looking at, has been changed, and that is, of course, uh, from the perspective of of the destination file my demo foo. There's been ad, an addition to uh, the file, which is Penguin. So you get the context. I think that's useful. This looks a lot like git diff. I'm assuming git diff calls diff. And uh, it's it's pretty easy to read. And if you redirect it using a um, greater than sign rather than just pressing return after your diff command, if you redirect it to, for instance, my.patch, then my.patch contains exactly that. Th that that stuff right there is what my patch contains. Like if you can cat my.patch... And you see all of that stuff, all the all the data about the files, the um, the the context, and what to add and what needs to be removed, and so on. Now the 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 patching of those of of that directory is not a function of diff. This simply generates a patch file. It does not actually implement the changes. So that's kind of fun. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you real quick just because I think it would be weird to talk about diff and not to talk about patch in the same breath because you don't want to wait until we're in the P section of the software set um, until you find out how to resolve this situation. So what we can do is we'll, we'll do patch-p0, and I'll talk about what that means in a moment, and then we're going to do a redirect, so a, a left-facing redirect, so a less-than symbol, and then my.patch. Now you'll remember that my.patch is the file containing all that data on on how to how to resolve these two things. So we don't we don't have to tell it anything. We don't have to tell the the location of anything. We just feed my patch as if though it was a script, which I mean really it kind of is, into the patch command, and it locates the demo folder, the my-demo folder, and it it recurses through each file or subdirectory and so on that's in that is referred to by my.patch and it resolves everything and it set it, it as its output it's got here patching file demo bar patching file demo baz patching file demo foo so now if we do a diff between demo diff demo foo and my dash demo foo we should get nothing and we do we get no output from that because those two files have now those are those are now the same file patch has has merged the the diff the diffed files together whether it's a, an addition here or a deletion there a change here change there it makes them it it resolves them really really smooth really really satisfying so the um the 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 dash p0 was telling it um well, I guess I shouldn't really go too deep into this, but anyway, it's telling it um, how many directories, leading directories, to ignore when l looking for the files involved. So because because demo and my demo were in my home directory, and I was located, my current working directory was my home directory, I didn't need to modify the path at all. So that's that's why I threw that in there. Retrospectively, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it. It's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Anyway, diff. It's a very, very cool tool. I'm going to continue on from here because, as I said, it could go on and on. There's a bunch of different bunch of different ways to kind of modify the output that you get, um, how, how to treat, I don't know, tabs and blank lines and duplicate lines, or rather duplicate files and ignoring case and so on so there, there's a bunch of different options that you can use i've never used half of them it's really just to i use it to either compare files or to create a patch file so that two files I, that i know do differ can then somehow be um 
unified later on. That's what I, I typically, that's my use case, so that's kind of what I know best. But there are a lot of different options here if you if you have very specific requirements or you're, you're structuring your own schema of some sort for, I, I don't know, a scripted, you know, something that's going to script the, the merging of, of differences, then you, you can adjust a lot of these things, like the width of the lines, the, 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 whether you see diffs side by side. You can output two columns rather than um, iterations. So yeah, there's a there's a lot to mess around with with diff and just check out its man page as usual for for the for the details. I think you get the idea. Like I said, once you get the idea of diff, it's it's a lot easier to sort of explore because then you know what it's talking about. You know what the difference is or or what the uh, what the point is. Okay, so diff three is the next one in in the uh, var log packages diff util listing. Diff3. This is like diff, except it compares three files line by line. How crazy is that? So it is, um, it's, it's a lot like diff. It's just, it, it just lets you throw that third file in, which does kind of happen maybe more often than you might think. Um, in, in the Git world, if that's what you're, if, if you're experienced there, this would sort of be a merge conflict. This is this is what you're experiencing when you do a merge, and and Git doesn't know how to merge because it has three files to resolve, and it has no idea which of those three files, which differences in each of those three files to 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 give priority. So we can more or less uh, emulate this. We can um, I guess I'll just trash everything in demo and then I'll make a new directory called demo and I'll do a foo file with one and two in it. I'm going to put a blank line in this one because at the end because diff keeps telling me that it's not happy that I don't have a blank line at the end of the file. It's very annoying. Okay so here's bar so we'll just do one and then we'll do that penguin thing again. One, two, one penguin, two, and a blank line. And then finally, we'll do baz with a, a zero, one penguin. Well, actually, you know what? Zero, one, two, and then a blank line. So now, if we want to see the difference between all of these files, we can simply do a diff three foo space bar space baz. And here's my output. I have three, two, and that's it. So it's, it's going in reverse. So it says... For file three, uh, or or in in comparison number three, the f first file, which is foo, has zero additions. That sounds right to me. The second one has zero additions. That sounds puzzling, but stay with me. The third file, which is baz, has one change, and that is that it has the word zero in it. Which if I if I do a cat on baz, yeah, it looks like zero is at the top of that file. So that's correct. Uh, the second entity in this sequence which would have been bar has one addition the the or rather the first file has one addition the third file has two additions and the second file has two changes and so if i look at bar it tells me i've got one penguin and two but compared to baz if you think about it that's that is indeed two changes because the first line is changed from one to zero the second line is completely different. Instead of one, it is penguin, and then two, that's actually the same, and then that blank line down at the bottom is the same. So, yeah, three-way sort of diffs can be pretty mind-boggling, but um, it does it, it does add up if you if you kind of look at them, or otherwise just you, you just trust trust the computer, which I think that's probably the easiest the, the, the easiest way to go. You can get simpler output with dash dash easy dash only, which kind of gives you an 